You're listening to the Legal Talk Network. Hello, I'm Bob Ambrogi. And I'm Monica Bay. We've been writing about law and technology for more than 30 years. That's right. During that time, we've witnessed many changes and innovations. Technology is improving the practice of law, helping lawyers deliver their services faster and cheaper. Which benefits not only lawyers and their clients, but everyone. And moves us closer to the goal of access to justice for all. Tune in every month as we explore the new legal technology and the people behind the tech here on Law Technology Now. Hi, I'm Monica Bay, and welcome to Law Technology Now. I am delighted to have Jay Mundell as my guest today. We've known each other for quite a long time. He has had a fantastic and very, very interesting career. So, Jay, I'm going to start you off, please, by telling us a little bit about what you were doing when we first met, and it was at Rocket Lawyer. Right. So, uh, at Rocket Lawyer, um, I was in charge of the legal advice business, or all the products to connect uh, individuals and consumers to lawyers. And and my CEO, Charlie Moore, uh, gave me about two, three days notice that uh, they needed someone to be in Los Angeles to speak at a legal tech panel. And I immediately got connected to Monica. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got on a phone. I remember I, it. It was, it was one of these last <laughs> of the minute things. And I was literally sitting in the hotel and going, oh, my God, I really, really, really need the present person in. It was, we, we decided to do a whole track, and, and my boss's basic said, you do it. And I was eating dinner when you called and said you could do it, and I was so happy. It was absolutely delightful. That was a no, good event. It was fantastic, and, it was a, and I, I think I flew out two, three days later to Los Angeles and met Monica for the first time, and it was the beginning of a great friendship and great collaboration that ended in us both being at Stanford as Codex Fellows, so... Great, great start to great relationship. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up with Rocket Lawyer buying your product and, and how you got into legal tech. Absolutely. So um, my my path to legal tech, like many people, was quite circuitous. Um, I spent the first nine years after law school as a corporate M&A attorney at uh, firms like Pillsbury. And my last legal gig was as the head mergers and acquisitions lawyer at Apple. And even at Apple, as a so-called sophisticated attorney, even I had difficulty finding the right attorney to, to meet my needs for my questions. And uh, so after a few years at Apple, I thought, hey, why don't I jump out and try to solve this problem? <laughs> so, so I thought I could harness some of the ideas of, of legal technology or at the time, I guess, nascent legal technology and social media to figure out how to connect uh, clients and lawyers instantaneously. And so that was the genesis of the idea we called Law Pivot. So sat in the, left my job, as did my co-founder, Nitin Gupta, and we sat at a Starbucks for three months thinking about an idea that would address this. And we came in with our aha moment <laughs> at, at a table at Starbucks, I remember, uh, even to this day which was basically the idea of a confidential legal Q&A service that would allow small businesses and lawyers to ask questions on our platform 
and get up to three confidential answers um, within one business day. So that was the idea, um, and we built that company over three and a half years, and we're very lucky after being rejected by over 40, I think, VCs going up and down Sand Hill Road to be funded by Google Ventures and Sequoia. And that's where we um, then <clears throat> connected with the folks over at Rocket Lawyer. So it was about two rounds of funding, and, uh, and we were pitching Rocket Lawyer for a partnership. And they said, hey, uh, why don't you join forces with us? And that was the beginning of, uh, of our relationship. And they eventually acquired us and said that we would be the ones that would build up their legal advice business using our online legal Q&A product as the cornerstone. And uh, that was uh, how we uh, were acquired by, by Rocket Lawyer and the team over at uh, Charlie Moore and his leadership team. You know, it's so funny because it, it just brings back so many memories because I think that was, for me, the the very peak of where uh, we were really starting to see a change in how lawyers were dragging along for a long time. But it was one of the first times where we really started to see how law and startups could really kick in. And there is so much resistance to it, particularly the baby boomers. It was so hard and very few people were in there. And, you know, the exponential way that this all has worked is just so amazing. And I, I look now at what we're doing at Stanford and it just blows me away. And it's such a phenomenal change we're going through. I kind of wish that we all had two more lives because it's just going to be so interesting in the next 50 years. Absolutely amazing. So what happened then? You, you got to the point where you got the deal done. And so, Jay, how was your transition when you left Rocket Lawyer? Yes, that, that was uh, tough because I was leaving my baby of, of this legal Q&A product at Rocket Lawyer and uh, had spent a couple of years working with the team incorporating the product and had serviced over uh, 100,000 consumers and businesses using our product and other products. So I felt like uh, my job was, was done there and it was time to move on. And the, the overall mantra I have in my career is to try to find ways to use um, technology as a way to, to democratize access to services. And that could be legal where I started with, but it also could be marketing technology. It could be finance and accounting. So I to expand my wings and move on to the next challenge, which was Optimizely. And at Optimizely, the idea there was the, or the technology there was providing A-B testing to online legal technologies um, to be able to better optimize their sites. Uh, excuse me, Jay, what's an A-B? A-B testing is the idea of giving uh, users on any um, website, two different uh, scenarios um, to go through um, in their user experience, and the underlying technology tests whether scenario A or scenario B leads to greater conversion. And so Optimizely had uh, created a disruptive technology that allowed websites um, from small websites all the way to websites like ESPN be able to present uh, these so-called A-B test scenarios to test user optimization through their sites. So back to your original question, Monica. So 
I had a chance to be a product strategy and corporate development executive optimizely, and then moved on to be a um, executive for product strategy over at SAP, which is my recent job or most recent job in which I have the opportunity to lead the product strategy for our ERP business, which is essentially financial and accounting platform for small and medium-sized businesses. And our current platform services about 60,000 companies worldwide that are using our service to help them build their business uh, using our online and on-premises technology platform for finance and accounting. Uh, Jay, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and talk about the startup boot camp for lawyers. We'll be right back. I bet you didn't think about running a business when you were in law school, but now that you have your own practice, you're constantly looking for tips on marketing, accounting, practice management, and so much more. I'm Christopher Anderson, and you can get expert business advice on my podcast, The Unbillable Hour, found on LegalTalkNetwork.com, iTunes, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So we're back. Thank you very much. And Jay, let's talk a little bit about the uh, incredible program we had at Codex for the Codex Future Law. And then following after that, you did an inaugural group uh, for a startup boot camp for lawyers. And I was so thrilled that you invited me to participate in it. And it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, thanks, Monica. And thanks for your involvement in the Startup Bootcamp for Lawyers. I had been actually speaking to, to Roland Vogel, the executive director at Codex, for, for many years um, since uh, my days at Rocket Lawyer, about the idea of teaching law students cross-disciplinary skills to better prepare them for, to become 21st century lawyers. And what I mean by that is that lawyers nowadays are expected to provide business-oriented advice to their clients. There are disruptions in legal technology. There's automation in, in, in legal technology. And there's this idea of or expectation of instantaneous legal advice that, uh, that clients now demand. In order to do that, um, lawyers need to be trained differently. That actually percolated over a few years and, and then it resulted in this idea of the Startup Bootcamp for Lawyers. And so the essence of the Startup Bootcamp for Lawyers is this idea of providing lawyers the skills in product and design and pitching to learn how to be more entrepreneurial minded as practitioners in law firms or as in-house counsel or startup founders. And what we did essentially is we asked a group of 25 Stanford law students over the course of a few days to act as startup founders and take uh, a business idea all the way to fruition to a, a VC pitch and pitch that to a group of, of three VCs at the end of our, of our course and learn the skill sets and product design that would be necessary in order to do that. And that was our, our attempt at giving them a taste of some cross-disciplinary skills that would help them better be prepared as lawyers coming out of law school. So tell us more about, in terms of, of the logistics of it, how did you pull it? Where did we go? Uh, I think it, it, a lot of, of young lawyers are really starting to think about, can I do this sort of a thing? How do we incorporate tech? 
And can you walk us through the planning and how we physically did it and 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 what the what was the biggest surprise for you on that? Our whole agenda for this class at Stanford was to treat again lawyers, the law students, like startup founders. <clears throat> so we created a whole lesson plan and a hands-on training session of helping them think through what it takes to ideate a business idea, to take them through the process of designing a product, then developing that product, testing it with each other, um, learning how to create a pitch deck in presenting that idea, and then how to go through the process of actually actively pitching it to VCs. So giving them skill sets in product design that they never, uh, in some cases, never had come across. Um, that was the, the idea. And we gave them four areas, actually six areas, which they uh, developed their businesses in, which were completely unrelated to law. Areas like virtual, tech, virtual and augmented reality, education, legal tech, uh, health, fitness, and IoT to develop their business ideas. So the thing that really surprised me through this process and um, it surprised my my co-organizers, Susan Salkin and also Jose Torres, was that these lawyers were thirsty um, for this type of knowledge and took their assignments incredibly seriously to the point where at the end of our class, when they pitched it to our, our group of three VCs, our VCs even commented that, hey, it seems like you guys have been working on this idea for um, many months instead of just uh, a class. So I think that's what surprised us is the passion and, and the true interest by the law students in, in pursuing this idea and taking some of the teachings to heart. And it was interesting, too, because you had told me that you did not expect the a number of people who wanted to apply, and it was limited for, for 25, and they had to be members of the law school at Stanford. How many people did you have to turn away? Yeah, we were, we were pleasantly surprised. We expected just maybe a dozen or so students who would be interested in our class. And uh, when we sent out our registration invitation, we ended up getting 100 people who were interested. Of those 100, 50 of them were actually practicing lawyers, including folks like judges and senior attorneys, which was very surprising to us because we specifically said this class was only for Stanford law students. So we ended up choosing, of those 50 law students, 25 law students to join our class and, uh, and, were, and prepared our coursework accordingly for a slightly bigger class than we expected. One of the big surprises for me was the number of women who were there. We, we counted it, and it was literally, I think, 50-50 with the guys. Uh, that was a huge surprise. Um, Silicon Valley is, is notorious for having only 20% of women in tech, in tech shops, and that's not just legal, that's broadly. But um, the, the legal community, is, is particularly big law, is really struggling. There's still a 17% gap between men and women on their money. It's 80% in big law. It's really been amazing. And I was blown away, not only by that, but the diversity of the people that were there. It was just obvious that there we had a really good mix. Did you make any particular attempt to to attract 
those folks, or was it just serendipity? No, we, we actually, that's a really good point. We were very pleasantly surprised um, by the diversity, but we made a concerted effort, Jose and myself, to make sure that we had strong representation of, of women and minorities, um, not only in the, in the, amongst the students, but also the uh, mentors, um, the panelists, and the organizers of our event. Uh, uh, this is a personal belief of mine, but I, I think we should have as inclusive a tent as possible to make sure that the best talent rises. And so we made sure that we had we had five women panelists, mentors, organizers involved in our in our session. Um, we went out of our way to have a very diverse pool of of VCs who were who were judges uh, to the point where I got on the phone and was actually calling. Uh, women VCs I didn't even know to make sure that we had good representation on our panel. Um, so that we were very happy with the, the... That's something that I write about rather intensely now. Um, we're both we're both Stanford fellows, and, and it, I've just been very, very happy about the opportunity um, because I do a lot of blogging for Codex, and... It's just so exciting to see this happening. Was there anything that disappointed you in the process or that you had to learn from that was maybe a surprise? Yeah, so I think the, the thing that, that, that disappointed me was our, we did not expect so many students to be interested in this course. And so had we known, we would have made the course even longer and we would have figured out a way to accommodate more students in the course, uh, which is a, a mixed blessing because that means that we'll have the opportunity to have another class next year, <laughs> which, uh, which we're aiming to do in the next calendar year um, to make sure that, the, that we meet this demand for, for law students um, to learn these so-called cross-disciplinary skills and be better prepared for the future. So that was uh, something that we're, we're actively preparing for next year. You know, another thing that I thought was very, very interesting was the location that we were in, because we were not in the law school. We were in the D school, the design school. That environment was so open and so airy that I think that that makes a big difference, whether they, whether compared to trying to pull that off in, in a traditional law school venue. What triggered that for you to get to get involved in that and to connect with the with that aspect of it? So we're very fortunate. My co-organizer, Jose Torres, actually introduced us to, to that venue. And, uh, and it, it, it goes with our theme of, of cross-disciplinary thinking that we chose this venue outside of the law school to, which is the, the center of design um, at Stanford campus, as a way to introduce law students to a different environment to think differently. And that whole venue and the, the, the room and the way it was set up and the collaborative environment, I think, fostered and facilitated kind of the success of, of these law students in, in building businesses in areas they had no idea about before they came to the course. So I, I hope that in our future classes, <laughs> we have the chance to, to also choose other venues to, to create not only intellectually, but also physically, the idea of, of cross-disciplinary environments. Absolutely. Well, I know we're running out of time. We could talk forever on this because we're both so passionate about it. And Jay and I sort of mutually put together a very, very long 
a post on the Codex blog. Uh, if you're interested in the link, you can uh, reach me at uh, mbay at codex.stanford.edu, and I can send you the link. Again, it's mbay at codex.stanford.edu. We're running out of time, my dear friend. Is there anything else that you wanted to share before we say aloha? It's great. No, it's great to have this conversation with you and, and share this experience with the listeners. I, I think there, the idea of this uh, start boot camp for lawyers, I hope, is, is one small effort toward the, the bigger idea of trying to help law students become better prepared as 21st century lawyers. And my hope is that we have more courses like this that teach these cross-disciplinary skill sets like product design and beyond in order to help lawyers be more entrepreneurially minded and meet the demands of, of, of clients who are technologically savvy. Um, it's not only for them, but it's for lawyers because lawyers down the line, they could be thinking about uh, practicing law, also going in-house at these tech companies and even starting companies themselves. So I think efforts like these and more efforts like these will be necessary to, to be more responsible as legal educators. Well, I can't agree with you more. And before I let you go, would you let our listeners know how they can reach you if they would like to? Absolutely. So they can reach me via email at jmundal at gmail.com, which is j-m-a-n-d-a-l at gmail.com. If you want to discuss the ideas that about uh, legal education or um, you want to talk about uh, legal tech ideas and and how we can push this whole area forward. Well, I was so delighted to participate in it and very, very, very much appreciated it. Um, every time we get together, good things happen. So let's keep it going again. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and, <laughs> at least on my end. <laughs> and I was just so absolutely delighted to be able to participate. It was an amazing situation. And you know, I would encourage everyone to look into these, and there's other ones going. It's going to keep getting better and better and better. Um, so with that, I thank you very much, and we hope you'll visit us on the next issue of Law Technology Now. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.